Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly. On this episode, I'm joined by one of the earliest supporters of The Articulate Fly and my friend Jason Randall. We discuss all the water that's passed under the bridge since our last conversation. Jason updates us on the fishing and the driftless, and we share some of our upcoming projects. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. But before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. And a shout out to this episode's sponsor. This episode's sponsored by our friends at Norvice. Their motto is, tie better flies faster, and they produce the only vice that truly spends. We're in the home stretch of show season, but you have one last chance to hang out with the Norvice team at the Wasatch Fly Tying and Fly Fishing Expo on April 14th and 15th in Sandy, Utah. If you can't make it to Utah, head over to www.nor-vice.com today to check out all of Norvice's great products. Now, on to our interview. Well, Jason, welcome back to the Articulate Fly. Marvin, thanks a lot. It's 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 great to to talk with you. It's great to be back on the Articulate Fly. I I don't know how articulate I'll be. It's it's happy hour here in Wisconsin. I'm two mules in, but I'll do my best. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and I apologize for being a little late tonight. And it's kind of amazing. We were talking before we started recording. Um, I was shocked when I went back. You were episode six. Uh, back in late 2018, and we're now on, I think, episode 644. So it's been a while, and um, a little bit of water's been under the bridge. How did the uh, the 2023 show season treat you? It did. It did treat me well. It's it, it was a great show season. Uh, we had uh, just a great deal of enthusiasm in our sport, lots of energy, and uh, new anglers and and families and and ladies and kids. It's it's just. I think it's a great a great place uh, right now to be. Yeah. And it was great too. I was in Atlanta and Denver with you. And I guess the great thing was to kind of see things, uh, I would say come back and I would think in Denver, they kind of exceeded, uh, you know, pre COVID. Yep. I think you're right too. Um, You know, I think Denver's gotten to be one of the hottest shows on the circuit and and it's always fun to be there. Uh, You know, Denver's got a real, real good vibe. Yeah. And so it's funny, you know, so much water's gone under the bridge that you have a few grandchildren now. You want to tell us a little bit about that? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I've got four since we, uh, since we last spoke on Articulate Fly. Um, I've got uh, grandkids between uh, one and four years of age, uh, two boys and two girls. And my uh, two older grandkids are learning how to fish. So that's really cool. There's a grandpa now teaching your kids how to fish. I've got a a buddy that's got a bass uh, pond and and we go out there and you know you're not going to believe this but we we drown some some hot dogs under some some bobbers and catch a bunch of bass and bluegill so i guess in that respect uh, the uh, we're seeing a a a de-evolution of the randall family generationally at least um you know next i guess it'll be a can of corn but um we'll get them into fly fishing here but right now for young kids it's just fun to see them catch fish and have fun yeah well if it makes you feel better i think i've got a half a dozen legit cane poles in the corner here in my office (laughs) (laughs) you know we all started that way i can remember being that kid with with a cane pole and a, and a bobber and a can of worms, you know? Yeah, I would imagine Zebco 33s for Christmas or within the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I remember it's going to be happening for sure. But we get them on some fly fishing here, too. You know, they're 
they're they're good kids and just seeing them enjoy the outdoors and and uh, grow up with an appreciation of that is uh, it's special and you know we we were able to to spend sunday together you know all the kids and grandkids and had breakfast and go to church together and you know what that's 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 a rich blessing yeah and it's also it's got to be awesome too like the grandchildren thing is great but i would imagine it's really special to see your children being parents too Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of that, what goes around comes around thing, you know, when you kind of wish, you know, when you're going through the trials of parenthood, you say to your kid, I hope you have a kid just like you. <laughs> and then they do. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And you know, you actually cut your 2023 show season, uh, off a little bit early cause you went to Alaska for the Iditarod. You want to tell folks a little bit about your trip? Oh, that was spectacular. Yeah, we did. We, we, uh, we, we did half a show season this year. We were done in, uh, mid February rather than going through, you know, the end of March. And, uh, both my wife and I are, are veterinarians. And even though I trained, um, as, uh, in, in fish health and medicine to be, you know, hatcheries, biology, veterinarian, um, you know, I, I spent most of my, my career in private practice being a hatchery veterinarian. It's kind of like, it's kind of like slow starvation, but, um, because of that, you know, we got a chance to work with some, uh, some of the top sled dog teams in the Midwest and, um, we volunteered to go up to the Iditarod. Um, and the first time you go, which was, this was our first year, we, we took the training program. We got a chance to meet the mushers and the, the sled dogs and, and do the vet health checks, uh, pre-race health checks on their teams. And um, then, um, you know, we got to see the start of the race. And, and uh, hopefully next year, we'll be actually out on the, the trail um, doing the checkpoints. Uh, those, those dogs are incredibly well cared for and, and uh, very beloved by their mushers. And uh, at each check station, there's a team of veterinarians and, um, and support personnel to make sure those dogs get the care they need. And it's quite an experience. We loved it. And hopefully we'll be back next year too. Uh, super neat. And, uh, you know, since the last time we spoke, you've built another nymphing rod for TFO called the Stealth. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about it and kind of how you built on the drift? Yeah, that's fun. Um, the drift and the stealth, two two completely different rods. The, the drift rod is really a kind of a, a four-in-one rod. It's a great dry fly rod, a good nymphing rod. Um, it's also a very, very good trout spay rod. It, it kind of it kind of covers a multitude of different areas where the, the stealth rod is specifically a, uh, a Euronymphing rod. And uh, that was fun because it included a lot of other people, um, friends like Devin Olson and Ed Engel and Tom Starmack, a lot of folks you've had on uh, the Articulate Fly also kind of corroborated with, um, with the stealth rod and, and really uh, getting the, you know, kind of the combination of different opinions and backgrounds. Really, I thought that rod really turned out really fun. It's a great rod. Yeah, neat. And I know it was kind of uh, an interesting begin new experience when you built the drift, kind of going through the design process with the folks at TFO and over in Korea. Was it a little bit different and easier the second time around? 
Well, it was, uh, but it did. It took us two and a half years um, to get the action right and all the specifics right on the stealth rod. It was. It's a. It's a different design uh, for from a rod building perspective to get the action right and the overall weight and uh, swing weight right and and the recovery right. All those things uh, have to be um, just just so um, to get that rod where it needs to be. And it took us a while. I was surprised. Um, it took us two and a half years um, through the prototyping stage before the first one was ever on the market. It, it, it was uh, it was fun. It was really fun. I learned a lot during the process, um, but uh, it was much longer than the drift. Yeah. And so, you know, just to give folks an idea, um, I know TFO's got one of the best rod designers in the industry in Korea. You know, how many prototype iterations did it take and kind of what does like one iteration look like? Well, it's it's uh, several months between uh, prototypes, and uh, I think we went through four or five different series. Um, you know, when you're dealing with with a rod that has different lengths, that really affects um, you know the way that rod performs and and uh, how it recovers and and how it swings when you cast it. Um, and we we went through several stages um, to get it right. At each stage, then. We were giving feedback um, back to BJM, the, the uh, design engineer in, uh, in Korea. Um, TFO has their own um, plant and manufacturing um, dedicated to, to TFO in Korea and their own design engineer. So it was a lot of back and forth, but um, it was well worth it, though. Uh, very, very neat. And I know, um, I think the last time you were on, we were talking about Nymph Masters. And I know you haven't written a, a book, released a book recently. Are you are you writing like you used to, or are you kind of moving on to different things? Well, I'm still I'm still writing. You know, I still write a, a, a several um, either blog posts or, or magazine articles. Uh, uh, you know, every year. But I'm really into in-person teaching, and uh, that certainly includes fly fishing shows at uh, seminars or, or classes. But also really focusing on individual uh, teaching and and uh, group uh, camps, boot camps. Uh, streamside activities, those types of things. Really, really enjoy that. Speaking at clubs and and uh, doing banquets and club events, uh, one-day fly fishing fairs. I just love the interaction with other anglers because it's it's an opportunity to share, but it's also an opportunity to learn and, and, uh, and just hanging around anglers and talking about fly fishing. That's a good way to spend the day. Yeah, and I would imagine the time that goes into one book, there's a whole lot of teaching and talking opportunities that you can swap for that, right? That's for sure. That's for sure. And there may be another book down the road. I'm not ruling it out, but, you know, I'm really enjoying, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the personal interaction and, and just that opportunity of, of being together with other anglers. Yeah, very neat. And, you know, folks don't know this, but you're actually, you know, out in Wisconsin in the Driftless, um, a relaxing after a day on the water. I know it's early in the season, but how's the fishing been so far in the Driftless? It's been really good. Our, our uh, late winter, early spring spectacular is out on the water for about five hours this afternoon. And uh, water temperatures were uh, in the upper 40s, uh, almost 50. Um, we were seeing some rising trout, probably um, you know, maybe rising on a couple of any mayflies up where I was. Um, but uh, they, um, we, I did catch one 
trout on a dry fly, caught a bunch on nymphs um, underneath the, the dry fly as a dropper or, or just uh, Euro-style nymphing. And uh, now I'm sitting in front of the fire. The dog's curled up on the sofa, and I'm talking with you, uh, and it's just been a perfect day. Yeah, that's neat. And so I know, right, uh, your most of your your water there is basically spring-driven, so the temperatures are really, relatively consistent, but they're smaller waters, so I would imagine they're maybe more susceptible than maybe what we think about in Pennsylvania from a temperature sensitivity perspective. Yeah, streams are, are definitely labile that way. I mean, uh, we do um, we do see situations daily and then seasonally as well. I mean, the morning temperatures, the evening temperatures could be quite different. So I think it is important to, to carry a thermometer and check it multiple times while you're shipping because it does impact everything from, you know, the, the insect activity to the level of, of trout feeding interest and also to where trout are positioned in the streams. I mean, you're going to find trout in a different position on the stream when the water temperature is 45 than you will when it's 55. Yeah. And for, for folks that aren't familiar, you want to tell, tell them a little bit about the Driftless area, maybe how it got its name as well? Sure. Yeah, the Driftless area is uh, is kind of parts of of four different states: it's southwestern um, Wisconsin, and then southeastern Minnesota, northeastern Iowa, and even northwestern Illinois. But it's an area that was uh, not encroached upon by um, the the glacial activity in the last ice age 10,000 years ago. There was two glaciers, the Des Moines uh, and the Green Bay glaciers collided, but they did not um, encroach into this driftless area of uh, of of these four states. And so as such, um, they weren't uh, leveled and flattened by the glacial uh, migration. And then as those glaciers receded, that's what left the rich topsoil that all the farmers in, in Illinois and Iowa uh, really relish. Um, that's, that's, that's called glacial drift, um, which deposited that topsoil. But because this area did not receive glacial um, movement, it did not receive the glacial drift, so it's called driftless. So driftless is actually a geological term, um, you know, referencing the fact that the glaciers did not um, have that same uh, effect in this area. So this area is uh, when the glaciers receded, um, all the runoff um carved deep ravines and coolies and hollows and and so there's limestone bluffs and and aquifers and and uh um, springs that that bubble up through um, the substrate and it just it's just full of spring creeks and and uh, marvelous uh, fishing and some smaller water but also there's a lot of collector streams and rivers that uh, funnel into the mississippi and and uh you know there's some some uh, large water um, access as well in our states. All the states in this area, particularly Wisconsin, um, have really worked hard um, using um, the revenues from licenses and other state funding to to provide public access. There's, uh, I think in my county alone, which is Vernon County, there's over 300 miles, 300 miles of public access streams. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I guess if folks have uh, access to fishing TV uh, and if you go to the Fly Fishing Channel, there's actually a movie called uh, Driftless that highlights the TU uh, reclamation program 
um, and uh, and features the Driftless Angler. So if people wanted to learn more about that, that's a really that's probably forty five minute long short movie. Yeah, it's great, you know, and I, you know, I probably should keep a little bit about how good this area is and and how accessible it is, you know, um, yeah. But um, we've just we've just got a great area in and. Uh, Viroqua is kind of the heart of the Driftless area. Viroqua is a small town in Wisconsin, about 4,500 people. But we've got a phenomenal uh, fly shop here. Uh, Matt Wagner and Jerry Meyer run that. And they run a guide service out of it. And, and it's just real angler friendly. And it's just a great area to come and hang out and, and go fishing. Uh, very neat. And what would you say is the signature feature of the fishing in the Driftless? Well, there is a lot of, you know, it's a lot of spring creeks. And so you're going to see a lot of smaller water, although there's some bigger rivers too, Kickapoo and the Bad Axe and, and some of the larger rivers are more substantial. Um, and, uh, but, but most of it is going to be walk and wade spring Creek style fishing. So you're going to see large trout numbers. We've got a very impressive, um, you know, trout numbers per mile in a lot of our streams. Um, but you know, you're going to see a lot of smaller fish. You're going to get your uh, 12 to 16 inch, uh, fish, um, with, with some regularity, but you're going to see a lot of fish in that eight to 12 inch, um, size category too, which is, well, it's awful fun too. Yeah. And it's interesting too, cause I, I'm lucky enough to get to travel to fish a little bit and, you know, I always find it interesting, you know, people learn how to fish their home waters and, but I always find it interesting to see what other people do and what you can kind of bring home, uh, to kind of add to your toolkit. You know, what do you think, uh, successful driftless anglers are particularly good at? Well, I think you can always take small water and, and move on to big water. But, you know, what you learn now on big water, you can't always uh, equally apply on small water. So it can be technically um, casting accuracy is definitely uh, uh you know, essential and, uh, concentration on quality of drift and drift management, line management, all these things are, are big factors. A lot of our, our casts are going to be, especially in smaller water, it's going to be straight upstream for dry flies. And you've got to be able to really manage your line and control your drift. The quality of the drift is, uh, is very, very important. Um, the trout can be uh, pretty spooky. Sometimes you get lower flows and very, very clear spring water and you've got to have uh, a, a, a pretty you got to be pretty conscious of your stream craft and and your stealth mode um, when you approach these fish um, and i think those lessons you learn here can easily transfer to larger water uh, very very neat and you know for folks that uh, want to experience the driftless area with a little bit of uh, guidance i know you and mac brown are going to do a multi-day school and uh, was kind of curious if you wanted to kind of let, let us know you know what you and mac have planned and where can folks get more information well, we've really been, we've had a ball with this. This is something that, that we're really starting to, to focus on. Um, we're calling it a, uh, a uh, fly fishing boot camp A to Z. And the first one that we're going to run here is going to be out of Viroqua, Wisconsin. Um, and uh, we're going to be fishing a lot of the other streams in and around this area. But that's going to kind of be where we uh, base out of. And the dates are June 8th through 11th of, of 
this year. And we're going to, we're going to focus on, uh, that's going to be three days. We're going to focus on like a half a day of casting and some of this cast too, that you might really need to fish successfully this area. We're going to be focusing on, you know, some slack line reach uh, casts and things like that will help you get those drifts that you need. And then we're going to really, we're going to do uh, a real deep dive on nymphing techniques, all different styles of nymphing, fishing, uh, wet flies and streamers. There's going to be a lot of hands-on stuff too, Marvin here. We're going to be, we're going to be just doing a lot of rigging um, things that would also apply to other um, uh, streams and rivers as well. Um, You know, just general skills, uh, basic uh, skill requirements to, to take that next uh, step up as an angler. Uh, we're hoping that everybody that comes through that boot camp will, will graduate as a much better angler and be able to take that to any river. Yeah. And I mean, the great thing is it's a really small event. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, kind of a, a more hands-on kind of approach, kind of a, you know, uh, it's not a large class. We're looking at, at class sizes that will allow a lot of, allow a lot of individual um, activity and, and interaction. Um, and then we're going to spend uh, the two, uh, at least two afternoons fishing and then critiquing each angler where Mac and I will work through the group, um, not necessarily focusing on how many fish you catch, um, because we're going to be in a you know in a relatively small area, so that we can see the whole group. But basically, just looking at skills and uh, mastering um, the casting and the and the presentation uh, skills that are needed to to catch fish. So it should be it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have a blast, and and hopefully everybody comes away um, uh, as a better angler. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll have a few mules too, right? <laughs> Oh, I think so. I think that's inherent. Yeah. And I'll go ahead and I'll drop a, a link uh, so folks can uh, can hop on that in the show notes and check it out. And, you know, talking about your passion for nymphing, you know, you and I are going to work on a, a short kind of multi-part series on nymphing skills. And I know you've got it broken down into three areas. You want to folks know kind of the three areas and kind of generally what we're going to kind of cover. I'm really excited to do this, Marvin. I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to teaming up with you and the Articulate Fly to to really focus on nymph fishing. And uh, we've over the years uh, that the book Nymph Masters and the previous books uh, as well really launched me on a on a quest uh, across the the entire world. Really focusing on nymph fishing, I was able to fish with some of the European grandmasters in Poland and Czech and Spain. In Italy and in UK, all over the place to, to really refine uh, and, and to combine those techniques. And a lot of the American anglers, too, um, that participated in the book, people like George Daniel and, and uh, uh, you know, Devin yeah, and, and uh, Fishing with Ed and, and Landon. Uh, a lot of people, Joe Humphreys, you know, we, we really did put a lot of those ideas in that book, Nymph Masters. Um, but really, um, the quest has continued beyond that book. And, and I'm excited to, to share some of these things when we do our in-depth discussion. And in that process, we've defined um, really the three goals or the three things that you need to achieve to get the most out of your nymph fishing. Uh, very neat. And what are those three things and why are they so important? 
Well, obviously, the three goals of nymph fishing are number one is to catch fish, and number two is to catch more fish, <laughs> and, and so forth. But I don't know if you want me to spill the beans on this now, or if you want to save it for later. But I certainly can uh, at least outline those three goals. Yeah, I mean, we can um, literally just tell them what the three are. I think that'll uh, that'll help maybe get some po- folks moving in our direction. <laughs> Okay, let's do that. But the, the first goal is, is, to, is to get your flies to the fish at whatever level they're feeding at. So we're going to call that the strike zone. So reaching the strike zone is the first goal of nymph fishing. If you're, if you're not in the strike zone, you're, you're not going to get the job done. So before you can reach goals two and three, you've got to reach goal one. Goal number two is going to be um, a natural drag-free drift. Just as important as it is in dry fly fishing, that natural drift is just as important in nymph fishing as well. Uh, And so we're going to focus on goal number two is being presentation and drift speed. Uh, Goal number three is an accurate and improved method of strike detection. When I present this to live audiences, I always ask the question, how many People here think you're missing more fish than you're catching when you're fishing, and virtually every hand goes up. And I have I actually have a video that I'll show at that point that that shows an underwater um, drift where a trout comes up and crushes the fly and and shakes his head, swims sideways with it. You can see the underside of a of a, a strike indicator of, of a flotation device, and it does not move at all. And that's kind of a, a wow a moment for for everyone. You know, their 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 eyes just really pop. You know, because it shows how many fish you're missing with inaccurate strike detection. And we're going to talk once we define these goals. Of course, we're going to talk about you know how do we improve these things? How do we reach these goals? How do we how do we fix these problems? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I had a similar experience, but it was actually I kind of had a tradition to. Between Christmas and New Year's, I would take uh, take my oldest son fishing, and I would remember watching. You know, it's the winter time, right? And you're fishing eggs and squirmies and stuff like that. And I literally, you know, watched a trout literally eat and spit out an egg probably four times, and the indicator never moved. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we've all had that experience, and it's it's disheartening. And you think, okay, well, I'm never going to get this. You know, how, who can fix that? How can that be fixed? But there are ways that we can we can fix this and that that uh, almost 10 year nymphing quest that that uh, I was uh, I've been on is really has really shown me that yes yeah there is a problem but there are solutions as well yeah it's really neat and so what we're going to do folks is we're going to have that broken down into three separate episodes and you know the great thing is the fourth episode is going to be a Q&A episode and uh, we're going to do some promotional stuff with some drawing prizes for people that submit questions. And if we use questions, so if you already have questions in your mind that you want to ask, Jason, if you DM me uh, on social media at the Articulate Flyer, if you send me an email, I'll start tracking those down and you'll uh, be at the very front of the group to potentially win some really neat stuff from some of our sponsors. And, you know, Jason, before I let you move on tonight, do you have any other kind of projects or upcoming events you want to share with folks? Well, I think these, uh, you know, some of the, the live in-person instructional training opportunities are, are really what I'm focusing on uh, these next two years. And and just as a follow-up to your comment as well about the uh, the, the four-part nymphing series that we're going to be launching in April and May, 
in advance of this four-part nymphing series that we're going to be doing on the articulate fly, we're going to be referencing photos and illustrations to uh, to help um, you know establish and 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 really dig into each of these three goals. Um, I'm going to be posting those illustrations, and I know Marvin, you will as well on your Instagram account, but I'll be posting them on my Instagram account or Facebook account. So if you want, you can hit me at, uh, at, at Jason Randall Fly Fishing on Instagram, and at least a week before each of these series uh, is going to be aired, I will, I will post the uh, illustrations that we will be using in that discussion so that having those and listening to that, um, I think that each, each will be able to, to follow along very easily. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll drop them in the show notes too. And you gave folks your, uh, your Instagram handle. You want to let folks know your website and all that kind of good stuff. Cause you've got some other good stuff over there too. Yep, sure. Yeah, they can reach me at uh, jrflyfishing.com uh, is the website, uh, Jason Randall on uh, Facebook, and then at Jason Randall Fly Fishing on Instagram. And, and as this series gets closer, we'll be putting up a lot of, uh, a lot of the materials that we'll be using in that discussion. Excellent. Well, listen, I appreciate you uh, making some time for me uh, in front of the fire with a couple mules after a day of fishing, Jason. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's I, always a pleasure, Marvin. And I would be remiss too if I didn't give another shout out to some of the things that you're doing in the sport too, and and those folks that are in the sport. Uh, you know, Marvin's been helping so many of us uh, with with our uh, promotion and, and uh, brand management, and if any of the guides or fly shop owners uh, or you know anglers that are in the in the business side of things um you if you're really looking at uh, that um you know what your what your influence is on, on on these different mediums i mean marvin has been expert at, at guiding so many of us through and and i just wanted to say thank you marvin for all that you've done for our sport and so many in it oh well, gosh i appreciate it yeah it's kind of funny right i always tell people i made the mistake of uh, being a business person and a lawyer instead of a fisherman and um so i i try to kind of bring those gifts that i've developed to the fly fishing world and help folks out so yeah if there's anybody out there that uh, thinks can benefit from any of that stuff or any kind of business consulting or any of that kind of stuff just uh don't hesitate to uh to hit me up i'm regularly on the phone talking to folks and i love doing it well thanks for all you do marvin we've all we've all benefited from it and thanks for having me back on the articulate fly yeah it's going to be fun too i'm uh, appreciate uh, you making the time and doing the project with me i think we're gonna have a lot of fun over the next couple of months <laughs> i'm looking forward to it thank you very much take care good night well folks i hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you again Thanks to our sponsor, Norvice, and be sure to head over to www.nor-vice.com to check out all of their awesome products. Tight lines, everybody.